This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru. I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Going good, going good. Before we really get into it, I wanted to let you know about a special promotion we're running. You can win great Star Trek prizes just for reviewing Standard Orbit and our other shows in iTunes and on Stitcher. Each review gets you an entry into the drawing, and we'll give you details at the end of the show. Well, today, decided we would tackle one of the darker subjects of, of TOS, or at least the 60s, and, and uh, science fiction of the era, and that's uh, racism. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about the... Uh, how Star Trek fought racism, and then how they kind of didn't really. <laughs> yeah. Well, some racism, some types of racism, they they fought against. Generally speaking, they were opposed to racism, but um, I think there were times where they didn't realize that they were still caught up in it themselves. And and as a product of the '60s, I mean, you look at Mad Men and and stuff that I'm assuming is a, a fairly accurate portrayal of the generation gap that was happening like Don Draper and his generation seems to be moving on while people like Cooper, who in one episode literally says that he can't have a black woman working the front desk and they don't want that to be the first person that you see. Mm -hmm. And that was like 1969. I think it was just his last season, which is, which is disappointing. But, uh, Star Trek helped fight against racism in a couple ways. One of the ways was through casting. So we had a lot of black actors in actual roles, not just black roles. Uhura being the most obvious. On the bridge, doing her job. No one ever points out that she's a different race or a different color than anybody else. Except, you know, Abraham Lincoln. For <laughs> Yeah. Which, you gotta give it to him. From the In the 1860s, you see that... <laughs> Well, and I mean, that, that was a way that I guess the creators could point it out without having their characters pointed out, you know, and sort of make it a thing where it's like, look, this guy who, you know, is not nearly as enlightened as the people of the 23rd century is saying like, oh, wow, look at this is a big deal. Whereas everyone else is like, why? You know, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. One of my favorites is in Court Martial. Commodore Stone is is a black man, and he outranks the main characters, mm -hmm. and that and and no one ever draws attention to it. I, I like that Roddenberry and them were just like, look, this was the best actor for the role, and we put him in there, mm -hmm. and and I'm glad that NBC l let them do things like that. I think NBC was a lot more tolerant of these things than we've been led to believe. Yeah, yeah. Although apparently there were times where that wasn't the case, like with the alternative factor, right? Oh, yeah. So, 
for those who don't know, originally Lazarus was uh, supposed to fall in love or have someone fall in love with him. It was going to be a black actress. And they put her in the role, but they didn't let them have any kind of relationship. And she's in the episode as like an engineer doing things, but doesn't actually interact with Lazarus at any point. Which is unfortunate. The bright side, I guess, to that story is that even though it, it ended up sort of like killing the episode on the whole by making it a lot worse, apparently, the producers of, of the show decided to stick to their guns and keep the actress in the role and just change the role. So instead of saying like, okay, fine, we'll replace her with a white woman, they were like, no, she's still going to have this role. We just have to rewrite it so that the studio will let us do this. And in the rewriting, it ended up not working out too well. Yeah. Dramatically. The These censors were very afraid of always the southern United States and that networks wouldn't carry it mm-hmm. because it, it had an interracial love story, which is just, I mean, he's an alien. There's all kinds of, it's frustrating. Yeah, but, I mean, if you try to apply logic to any of this, you lose. <laughs> because yeah. the people who are opposed to it are highly illogical. I did not mean to quote <laughs> Spock there. But, yes, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're 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 dealing with people who are, I mean, you know, stupid. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> s- stupid and, and uh, just so clouded with bigotry and stuff like that that it's just like, well, what can you say to them? You know, nothing. And then this is the same show that showed the first televised interracial kiss mm-hmm. from the same people through the same censors. It's, uh, I don't yeah. understand why they let that through. And it's disappointing that the making of Star Trek book from the 60s only goes through the second season. And that Cushman's book, his third book, hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Because that's the, I think that's going to be a really interesting story and how they got that through. And if there was a huge battle or if it was just like, oh, the excuse I think I've read is that they were, because they were forced to unwillingly buy aliens, Mm -hmm. then it was okay. Yeah, or they know. used a take that wasn't the wasn't them actually kissing. It certainly looks like that, by the way. It does not look like they kiss in that shot. Do you think it's the fake one? Yeah, every time I see it, I'm like, I don't really think he kissed her. You know? <laughs> and but the, I don't know. You know, two years later, I, I don't know if there was a regime change or something like that. Maybe there was someone in in the network who was a little more um, forward thinking or something like that. I, I, who knows? Yeah. I guess we'll find out. I can't wait. <laughs> and uh, while it really doesn't have anything to do with the racism, I wanted to bring up how Nichelle Nichols wanted bigger roles, but they refused to write them. And she was uh, considering leaving the show. And she ran into Martin Luther King Jr., who convinced her to stay on because his kids can now t- tune into a television show where there's just a woman on the on the bridge of this ship the fact that she's black doesn't enter into it at all. And it inspired her to stay on. I think that's really cool that Martin Luther King, one, was a Star Trek fan, and two, helped influence the show by by keeping her on. Yeah, I kind of wish that Martin Luther King would have gone to Gene Roddenberry and been like, hey man, how about, you know, 
giving her something to do once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, hey, man, how about putting me in the show? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that would have been cool, too. Kirk, yeah. they travel back in time again, you know, to study the 60s again. <laughs> like, I don't understand racism. <laughs> Dr. King, can you explain racism to me? <laughs> it's like, sure, no problem. <laughs> There was this show in the 60s, and they had, like, a storyline where, like, a, a, a black woman was going to be in love with a white dude, but then the <laughs> network was like, no. Yeah. That'd been cool. Kirk phasers the the censors to convince them to... Mm-hmm. Spock mind melds with them so that they let the interracial kiss be shown. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Time-traveling Vulcans. Yeah. But uh, Star Trek didn't only deal with racism by the casting they also had a few episodes that dealt with it directly the most obvious one being let that be your last battlefield which for those who aren't completely familiar with it that's the one with the people who are half black and half white and the people who are half white and half black who've been at war for thousands of years and uh did he play the riddler yeah frank gorshin yeah frank gorshin who who played the Riddler yeah. in the the '60s Batman show, which is coming to Blu-ray soon, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. He plays he plays the guy who's hunting the the other guy for being a different color, and they they have the same. And the whole episode is just basically the crew mock, not understanding. You're half white, half black, and it's the most obvious parallel to racism ever. Mm-hmm. Without it being just obvious slave hunting racism. And it's just, here it is on television. Everybody's like, this is a great science fiction story. It's like, do you not understand? Right. There's a thing about the original series where a a lot of the the episodes, like the concepts and everything like that, you don't even really have to watch the episode. You know, you you hear the, the, the premise and and it's like such a solid premise and and you instantly know like what the point they were trying to make was and everything like that and just by hearing that premise you're like oh i get it you know and even that makes you sort of look at the the situation differently it, it has it's it's so good at getting to the core of these issues and just breaking them down in like a a certain way which just makes it blatantly obvious that it's ridiculous you know i mean mean, this this is a perfect example like you guys look exactly the same half of you is white and half of you is black and then the riddler comes in and like are you guys idiots look he's black on the left side and i'm black on the right side obviously we're different and then you just like hear that and and you hear it coming from you know the riddler and you're like that's ridiculous you know (laughs) And then that makes you think about what you're doing in your life. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe me being racist is stupid, too. Oh, OK. You know, and then and then that, you know, you take you take that away. You, you literally take it away from that episode and you start, you know, thinking about that in your your everyday life. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that that actually changed people's views of the world. You I know, hope so. Yeah, I would hate to hear stories like that, but it'd be interesting to hear stories like that. Like I was racist in the '60s until I, you know, saw the Riddler point out how stupid that was. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, but I mean, that's that's what, you know, art does and, and, and movies and everything like that, you know. I mean, like the really, really good movies and, and TV shows change the way you think about the world. You know, and it's very rare that you come across something that actually does that. But, I mean, Star Trek is something that does that. And, and good science fiction takes the concepts of, of everyday life and, and twists them mm-hmm. so that they're almost unrecognizable, but recognizable enough. Which I don't think let that be your last battlefield. Twists it just twists it far enough to be a super compelling story, but it does have the the moral of the story mm-hmm. that is obvious and worthwhile. Yeah. The other episode uh, that I, I wanted to touch on that deals with racism, I I feel is Devil in the Dark. I mean, the last time that I watched this, uh, it it really jumped out at me that. That's what this episode is about. It's about the crew not refusing to try to understand, oh, there's a monster, oh, there's a monster. And, you know, oh, it's not human or even related to be human. But in the end, they take the time, they stop, and then they learn that it's more like us than we realize. Mm -hmm. And if something so unlike us, like if a burnt pizza that can, you know, acid burn through rock without a problem. If it can be like us, then maybe people who are obviously more like us are like us. Yeah. And, and also and that one I think twists the story enough that you get the moral without without it being, you know, you're black on the left side. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the other the other kind of component to that story is like even if we don't understand people that doesn't mean that we should dismiss them you know Mm -hmm. it's like people are different you know okay fine we don't need to we don't need to get it in order to accept it you know right even with with the devil in the dark scenario you know there's plenty of times on that show where it takes the exact opposite approach where they're like this thing is killing us well it might be intelligent who cares we need to protect ourselves just kill it kill it mm-hmm. you know so it, it, it you know it's kind of like didn't you guys watch devil no de- never mind you know <laughs> <laughs> that's true all the com- all the insentient computers that you know kirk right. blows up right yeah yeah nomad i mean all these intelligent things that just <laughs> yeah then now we're gonna get into uh, the way that star trek wasn't really maybe as progressive as you might think on racism <laughs> While they never really pointed out, you know, anybody's skin color, they weren't afraid of stereotypes or racism against aliens. Yeah. So the big question to me that I never really noticed before until it was pointed out to me, is McCoy racist? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Because, okay... We've got the the audience that they were afraid of being racist and not showing the show, the Southern, the Southern Americans. And here we've got one from Georgia, and he's kind of racist to yeah. Spock. Yeah, it's kind of an all unfortunate... All the time. <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate that they did that, you know, and I don't think that that was intentional, you know. I think they were just like, oh, look... Here's here's some humor that we can inject into this into this thing, and it's like, yeah, your humor is racist, and it's the type of thing where 
I guess you can be racist to Vulcans without offending anyone here on Earth, but... And you're not going to offend them. Right. And and it's the type of thing where you could almost sort of get away with that if you weren't constantly trying to make points about racism in other elements of your show. You know, if you didn't have a devil in the dark or whatever and trying to, to use alien races as an analogy for human races, you know, in terms of relationships and stuff like that, I mean... You can't do both of those things, you know, because then, yes, if you're doing that, then you have to say, yes, Bones is racist, you know. Even even the JJ-verse version mm-hmm. is racist. And, like, that's something I think you could probably cut out of the character and still get the yeah. Bones character. Right, you could have him being, you know, uh, curmudgeonly towards Spock without bringing the race calling him a pointed eared hobgoblin yeah although they do say in there like did you just you know i mean like he's like did you just use a or or i guess that's with kirk where he he calls him pointy or something like that and he's like was that like a racial slur or something like that in into darkness yeah so that's i forgot about that (laughs) which i guess you know if you're gonna do that if you're gonna call out the character for doing it then you know, it's okay to have it in there because then yeah. you're, you, it's not you being unintentionally racist or intentionally racist. It's, you know, the character being racist and then you're, you're, you're acknowledging that. If there weren't so many episodes that ended with let's be racist at Spock <laughs> and have the entire bridge clue laugh at him, yeah, then maybe maybe there wouldn't be this double standard. Right, exactly. But it happens all the time. All the time, yeah. and then I was thinking about other the other races and and uh, you know uh, nationalities represented on the ship. We've got uh, Scotty, who loves to drink, gets drunk all the time, drinks aliens under the table, gets drunk and starts a fight at a bar with a Klingon, and he's not played by a Scottish man, which makes it. Like he's being a parody of Scotsman, yeah. which is kind of racist. Yeah, see, I can't keep track of, you know, what racial stereotypes there are in terms of drinking. Because it seems like it's almost all of them. I mean, I don't know. It's true. So, so Irish I, I, people. Yeah, Irish people. Let's go and, through the stereotypes. The whole, I mean, it's, it's just sort of like a, a thing where, I don't know. I, I guess that's a, that's a thing, but... Because of that, it doesn't even... I guess because I'm not really aware of the, of that stereotype, I, I never really considered it to be racist, but I suppose it I, is. Yeah. It may just be me confusing the Scottish and Irish stereotypes. I, I don't know. I don't know. And but, really, why would you name your Scottish characters Scott? Apparently, well, yeah. I mean, I, I it was, wasn't there something where, like, James Doohan came up with the name or something like that? Right, I exactly. Yeah, well... <laughs> What can you do? And I guess it's not really a stereotype, but Chekhov, in the, at least in the, the series, never shuts up about being Russian and how awesome Russia is. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, I think that that more than anything is uh, just supposed to be like a, a crazy thing with the character, right? But then again, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there was some sort of stereotype back in the 60s that I'm not aware of. I don't know. I'm not sure either. Yeah. Sulu. Sulu seems all right. You know, because he's got because he does the fencing sword mm-hmm. instead of the samurai sword. But doesn't he conjure a samurai 
in shore leave. I don't remember. I think I'm pretty me. sure he does. Yeah. Which is kind of racist. But mm-hmm. like not as bad as the blatant character racism. I mean, that's writing. Those are writing problems. But this, you know, the McCoy being racist towards Spock is that's bad. That's real bad. And and to me, like that and even if he had used, you know, like a samurai sword in, in naked time, like I guess it depends on how it would be handled, you know, and stuff like that. But to me, it it would seem to make sense from a, a character standpoint in that it's not that he's being, you know, stereotypical. It's that he's bringing things from his culture. Heritage. Yeah. You know, okay. because, I mean, if you don't do that, then at what point does it become racist in the other direction in that they're all just sort of a bunch of Americans who say they're from different countries or whatever, you know? I mean, it's 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 weird. It's a, a fine line to, to walk, and th- I guess that's what they were trying to do for the whole series is walk that line, and I don't know. Sometimes they, they, they fell off. Sometimes they yeah. stumbled. So, of course, I think that, that a lot of uh, the racism in the show was realized by various creators after the fact and it's something that was dealt with head-on in essentially the finale to to the original series which was star trek 6 the undiscovered country where it's all about their relationship with the klingons and basically they just flat out say yes kirk is a racist a really 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 big racist and well, everybody is. Everybody is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I guess Kirk because that's the the main character. But yeah, you're right with the dinner and everything like that. You know, guess who's them. coming to dinner? Yeah, right. And, and all that you stuff. The, the way they smell. And... Uh, yeah, right. And it's like, of course, wow. those were villains, so that's mm. okay. But but like I I know like Roddenberry had a big problem with that stuff. You know, but to me, the whole point that they were trying to make again is like, look, yes, they are racist, and now they're learning, and they're growing, mm-hmm. and people are getting better, and, and maybe we shouldn't be so racist. And I think the reason why Roddenberry didn't like that is because he wanted to say, like, by the 23rd century, we already will have reached that point. So we need to sort of acknowledge that in other ways, by looking at other less enlightened races who are still racist <laughs> which in itself is kind of racist but um <laughs> you know it wasn't Roddenberry who was making the movie it was Nick Meyer and and all those people and this is how they chose to approach the the subject and i think that that's a perfectly valid way to do it creatively speaking mm-hmm. and if anything i think it might be more effective because you've lived with these people for um, you know, 110 adventures, and now you're saying like you just you just have to deal with it. You have to deal with the fact that yes, they are racist. 108 adventures. I'm sorry, um, and uh, they do, and and it's it's really mm-hmm. interesting. It's really interesting, and and it's very very effective. I I never really caught on to it. When I watch six, I see it more as the obvious Cold War metaphor. Yeah. That that it never really struck me until recently that they were being racist. Because I could just see 
the the parallels and i could see all the parallels for the cold war all the way through but after that i still like that i still like it and it but it is kind of a, a weird turn for them to all start being racist like i can see kirk holding a grudge mm-hmm. for them for a crazy one killing his son but everybody else being racist you know check off and 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 everybody it, it's a little much but I still like it. I mean, and I still appreciate Six for the, the metaphor that it is and the, the cool Scooby-Doo story that it tells. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, they never really deal with any of those those people. And, and sort of, I think, the um, point that they were trying to make is, like, this is our society. It's not just one person. It's, you know, something that we need to change as a group, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you're at war with a with a race for 25 years or whatever it is, or longer, you know, there's obviously going to be some resentment there. I, I guess it helps you with the understanding of, not really understanding the, the opposing viewpoint, but like Colonel West and all them. Mm-hmm. Because our characters that we know and love and we know are right, are just a little bit racist. You can understand why Odo and Colonel West and everybody maybe want to keep the status quo up. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a weird thing, but it it's also I think very realistic in a sense. And even them being mm-hmm. able to change is realistic. You know, that's sort of like a thing that happens. I mean, you see it like a lot with you know war, World War Two. You know, and like here in America, there is a lot of racism towards, you know, the Japanese and a lot of people, I mean, like my grandfather fought in world war two mm-hmm. and he's one of the most enlightened people I've ever known. And yet for most of his life, he just couldn't let that go. You know, he's like, no, I just can't buy a Japanese car, blah, blah, blah. And you would talk to him about it and he'd be like, I know it's completely irrational, but that's how I feel. And then, like, towards the end of his life, you know, we'd have conversations or whatever, and he eventually, like, came to terms with it and was like, you know what, yeah, you're right, I'm being completely illogical here, this doesn't make any sense, I should not hold this grudge. And he he was able to let it go, a a lot like Kirk and and the rest of the people on the Enterprise do, you know? Mm -hmm. So, there you go, and and it shows there, you know, to me anyway, that this isn't just like a Hollywood thing. It's like, you know, people can change and stuff like that. And that's kind of the point that I think Star Trek was trying to make too, which is like, you're not doomed to be an asshole for the rest of your life. (laughs) You you can, you can learn and grow and change and accept other people, even if you haven't, even if you've been raised not to, you know? And that's the only way that we're going to grow as a society, is if people are willing to change. I agree. Yeah. Well, that was a good discussion we had on racism and TOS today. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Roddenberry did not like that sequence at all because he felt that Kirk would not have done that, that that wasn't in the Star Trek spirit, that Kirk would have studied the creature, not killed the creature. Earl Grey. I love the how the Cardassians look, especially once they're firmly established and not wearing what looks to be like cardboard 
drink holders you get from McDonald's. It looks like that's the material that it's made out of. The orb. To have this many habitable moons surrounding a habitable planet seems very interesting because usually what you get is a planet that's uninhabitable but is being orbited by a habitable moon. The ready room. And Worf's like, well, I was at the Marzon colony and then, and then the audio fades out where the writers are like, oh, we're just not even gonna try to explain <laughs> this. To the journey! Just think about it, the doctor is a priest. That alone is enough to end the episode debate and say that's a fantastic episode. That's like saying spirit folk is worth watching because Harry kisses a cow. Well, there you go. Commentary, Trek stars. Just because he can go away doesn't mean that he can't come back. To life, because he dies. <laughs> he Wait, dies. what? Literally, he like gets his head chopped off. It's kind of <laughs> oh, brutal. But um, skipping spoilers. over the part where Molarum pulls his heart out. Well, yeah, there was that too with the fire. Yeah. Warp five. I wish <laughs> selfies were as big of a thing then as they are now, or they were as big in 2003 when this was filmed. Because they'd be like, remember that? I have a selfie at the time I turned into an alien. I have a selfie of me with ridges. Melodic tracks. Now this changed when he sang in Leonard Bernstein's mass and Bernstein himself saw Picard and told him he should pursue being an actor. Continuing mission. The original series has its own particular um lore and fandom that are that mm. is different yeah. it is different so it's so unique to be a part of something that is so um dedicated to bringing back such a particular and specific part of that star trek universe and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out these shows and get in on the daily trek talk you'll find them on itunes stitcher tune in the windows podcast director for xbox and zune or you can stream from the website just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. Let's tell everybody where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show. Just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. Or you can talk to us and our other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and on Twitter under username trekfm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me right here on Trek FM, uh, doing commentary Trek Stars with uh, Max. Uh, this week we're talking about the Will Wheaton Project, so that's fun. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, uh, where I do Commentary Track Stars Off Topic with Max and our friend Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and on various other shows around the network. We have another new iTunes review, and this is from Phasers to Wellsby, and it's called Rewatching with New Eyes. I don't always rewatch TOS as often as the other series, but this show gets me excited to go back and watch. They always provide insights into the series that I have missed and gets me to watch episodes with a new eye. That's really cool. That's uh, it means a lot to me. If we can encourage people to to take a new look at, even though most of the man, the merchandise nowadays is TOS focused, I feel like it is uh, one of the underdog series in Voyager and Enterprise. Which is weird that most of the series are underdog series, but what can you do? 
the true underdog series is the animated series that people don't even acknowledge that thing's existence. But uh, note, I didn't even acknowledge. <laughs> Well, reviews are very important to us, not only because we like to hear what you think about the show, but because they impact how we place on iTunes and Stitcher. Reviews make it easy for other Star Trek fans to find our shows. We know that it does take some extra time to visit iTunes and Stitcher, so as an added incentive to share your thoughts on our shows, we're giving away some great prizes as part of a month-long promotion. These include a season of Star Trek, your choice, on Blu-ray or DVD, an official Starship collection ship from Japan, complete with Japanese magazine, Star Trek novels, and a full collection of our alien art badges. Winners will be drawn at random from all entries received before midnight Pacific time on July 31st, which is only a few days from now. All you need to do to enter is to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. You can only leave one review per show, obviously, but you can review multiple shows and do so on both iTunes and Stitcher, and for each review you'll receive one entry in the drawing. Remember that you can also review the master feed, and that'll give you an entry as well. So here are the steps for entering. Leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, then visit trek.fm review and complete the form. We're looking forward to hearing from you, and thank you for your support. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible is something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book called Star Trek and History, which was written by Nancy Reagan. I don't think it was that Nancy Reagan, because she spells wow. it different, differently. Oh, that <laughs> um, would have been awesome. Yes, it would have. Um, and it is about, I'm guessing, Star Trek and History. Here's the description. For a series set in our future, Star Trek revisits the past constantly. Kirk and Spock battle Nazis, Roman gladiators, and witness the Great Depression. When they're not doubling back on their own earlier timelines, the crew uses the holodeck to spend time in the American Old West or Victorian England. Alien races have their own complex and fascinating histories, too. The Star Trek universe is a sci-fi imagining of a future world that is rooted in our own human history. Gene Roddenberry created a television show with a new world and new rules in order to comment on social and political issues of the 1960s. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM right here on audible.com or there, wherever, you know. Wherever you are while you're listening. Yeah. Because you could be listening and on another website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Well, that was a great discussion. Uh, I appreciate uh, the, the rapport that we have, that we can talk about that. Yeah. It's good. I mean, that's the thing, you know, about the original series is it deals with tough issues. And as an original series podcast, we should delve into them occasionally as well. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.